Hi, I'm Deborah Hamilton. Welcome to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? Ten years ago, with my iPhone and a script, I recorded the first episode of the Ultimate Pet Resolution Summit, which chatted with experts about conflicts over animals. Our conversations were intimate, honest, and illustrated how disagreements over animals occur and how those disagreements can reshape people's lives and relationships. In November 2019, I started Why Do Pets Matter, a new podcast that continued these informative discussions. I'm so excited to have you here with me, continuing my exploration into a more meaningful conversation about why pets matter to all of us. My guests and I will share ideas, stories, and experiences straight from the heart, unscripted and holistic. From the bravest moments to the most brokenhearted, we will explore how to resolve disagreements over animals differently. One thing I know for sure is I want to have more meaningful conversations that will help all of us unlock that deeply felt human-animal bond that drives the emotions of conflict. Today, I am thrilled to have Dr. Mark Alcott, veterinarian and CEO of Vitus Vet. Mark, thank you so much for coming and speaking to us on Why Do Pets Matter? Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. Well, we always ask our guests the first question and then we go from there. Mark, why do pets matter to you? You know, I can't ever remember a time where they didn't matter to me. Um, and the, the, I guess there's so many reasons. I think the biggest one is just they really are a tremendous source of unconditional love. Um, they have an unbelievable connection with us, you know, no matter what your emotion is, they seem to be able to pick up on it. Both I've had dogs and cats. So those are primarily the, the species I talk about, but horses too. I used to be a horse fed for a couple of years and there's just an amazing connection between these species. And you can understand why tens of thousands of years ago, you know, early humans sitting around the campfire would invite dogs in and throw them scraps of food. And eventually they'd come closer and closer. And there's this great symbiotic relationship, but they've mattered to me as long as I can remember, like most veterinarians, I decided to be a vet when I was about 12 years old. There's nothing else I ever wanted to do. I liked science, loved animals. And I just, uh, I wanted to help them. So tell us a little bit more about why you wanted to become a vet because why do pets matter becoming a vet are such key elements to a lot of my guests i really um i i loved science i loved animals it sounds really simple some people ask did you ever think about being a human doctor the answer is no as uh, i think justine lee's she has a vet girl has this great t-shirt i saw once and on the back of it it says veterinary medicine because humans are gross <laughs> and uh, I never had any interest in being a human doctor, but um, veterinary medicine is a calling and uh, it's a great way to, I thought, to, to combine my love of analytical thinking and science and biology and helping pets. And in helping pets, we also help the people who are in the pets' lives, if you will. So it really is a tremendous synergy. I, if you can help this one pet, it makes a tremendous impact on that entire family because of the unconditional love that they feel for that pet. So um, I'm just very grateful really for this opportunity. Um, that's especially as I've gotten a little bit older, I'm grateful for the ability to give back to a profession that's done so much for me. 
You know, it's interesting you said that because the human-animal bond is so important to people who have animals. I, I often mention that people who don't have animals um, are a very disenfranchised group because sometimes people think oddly of them because they don't want animals in their lives, but that's okay too. But mm -hmm. pets do matter to people. And when they bring them to the veterinarian, it is that um, human animal bond and then the bond that they have with their veterinarian that helps keep the pets healthy and safe. So how do you communicate with your clients in a way that helps you understand their pet? When I was in practice and I practiced for 20 something years before now really working full-time on Vitus Vet, I like to ask kind of open-ended questions, um, try and avoid the strict yes or no questions and really get people talking about the pet. And you can pick up some gems on where they are with this pet. You can pick up whether, how much the pet means to them. Um, and there's, as you said, there's a whole spectrum of care. For some people, it is quote unquote, just a pet. On the other end of the spectrum, uh, I know clients that have that, that seem to have a deeper relationship with their pets than they might with children or other human beings. And you can pick up on that if you listen. And I think you have to know your client and their particular situation so that you can best offer them the advice that's right for them um, and, and counsel them. I viewed my role as kind of a coach, if you will, or a counselor where it's my job to lay out all your different options, medically, financially, the whole thing, all the way from doing nothing. You know, you can turn right back around and walk back out that exam room door and do nothing. It's usually not the right choice, all the way up to uh, the Cadillac therapy. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things that we can do, but that doesn't mean that we should do them. And that's a conversation people have with uh, around uh, in human medicine as well. I think just because we can do something doesn't mean we should, but it's especially acute in veterinary medicine where, you know, cost comes into it pretty early yeah. on in the conversation, you know? It, it is always that question, what we can do, what we should do. And I find that to be one of the most difficult conversations that my um, guests have have experienced because there are things that they want to do um, or they can do that they need to be totally transparent with their clients on whether or not they should do it just because you can or you might or you can afford it should you do it and if you do do it that conversation has to be completely transparent on this is what we hope is the outcome and then there's this right so when you're having that conversation with your client, having that, whether it's a cat or a dog or a bird or a horse, I love that you included horses. No one ever includes horses. And I love horses. I think they are a very um, underappreciated group because of their size and quite frankly, the cost of keeping a horse. Yeah. Uh, the cheapest part I always say, and so does my husband, um, is buying the horse. That's the cheapest part. Uh, keeping the horse is really difficult, but they really do absorb so much of that, especially now that we're in COVID and, and everyone has been sort of locked down. Uh, my colleagues who have horses, and, and I don't know if you treat horses any longer, but you probably remember this from the days when you did. Horses really do uh, understand human, you know, that human-animal bond as well, sometimes better because of their sheer size. It just seems like they wrap you up. 
It's tr the tremendous uh, relationship between our two species. And uh, my sister is a physical therapist has done uh, hippotherapy for years, you know, working with horses and people either with physical or emotional disabilities. And it's unbelievable the reaction that people can get from horses. People that never talk will talk to the horse or it's just incredible. And there's something really special there. I get goosebumps even just talking about it now, but um, yeah, horses are pretty special animals. Yeah, I'm so glad I went there because I get goosebumps all the time as well. And people, um, of course, now during COVID, we've a lot of animals have been adopted. And so the veterinarians have become overwhelmed. Um, and so in that overwhelmed sphere, getting information um, from the vet to the client has been a challenge. And I think that maybe Vitus Vet has something that could help um, alleviate some of that anxiety. So tell us a little bit more about Vitus Vet. Yeah, I started Vitus Vet. I actually grew out of a business school project. I went back to get my MBA at the University of Maryland. I was growing very frustrated as an, as an emergency vet. I was an emergency vet for really the last half of my career. Really frustrated with the lack of after hours medical record access. Um, it was a big problem um, that leads to adverse outcomes for pets, leads to a lot of extra cost for pet owners because there's such tremendous, what I guess we'd call information siloing in our business. In other words, your regular veterinarian has this treasure trove of information, but when they're closed, if you go to the emergency clinic, that emergency clinic can't talk to your general practice. Right. So right. we started off uh, by creating an app that allowed pet owners to tap into their veterinarian's medical record database in an emergency when they're traveling 24 seven to have access to certain pieces of information that me as their emergency vet would love to be able to have medical notes, lab work, really important stuff beyond just vaccine dates and prescriptions, the real, the real meat of the record. And um, it was really popular with pet owners. It still is. And we've since evolved the platform to, to really reduce friction between pet owners and veterinarians. And I really got my eyes opened when I was in business school because like a lot of veterinarians, I didn't even take business 101 in college. Yeah, that's not one of the that's not one of the things. It's sort of like they don't take conflict or speaking with clients 101 either. Yeah. No. Never <laughs> you just take eye medicine or blood, whatever. You just never take those things that help you run a business or speak yeah. to clients because what do you do all day? Run a business and speak to clients. Yeah. That's exactly right. right. And uh, veterinary schools in particular are much better about that now, about the, the business side of veterinary medicine. But um, I really had my eyes open specifically around how consumer communication preferences were changing, you know, where people want to do business with you on their phones. I think uh, the, one of the, the, the secret of Amazon is not low prices, it's radical convenience and simplicity. It right. While you're watching, binge watching, you awesome. can also order $1,000 worth of stuff. Yeah. Not I, that I've ever done no, that, Mark. No, no, not at all. You That's haven't right. either, bro. Well, well, the holidays are coming. You should try it. That's right. <laughs> but the same idea, like, I, and, and uh, a veterinary practice shouldn't require their clients to call them to make a nail trim appointment. Or really when you think about it, a lot of their appointments, and I'm not talking about sick pets now, but 
there's a lot of simple annual exam, nail trims, blood work. A lot of that stuff really should be automated. And it helps not only uh, does it help your business because if you uh, make something simpler, you get more of it. So if I make it simpler to request a refill, or if I make it simpler to book an appointment, I'm going to get more of that. But we've also found is a secondary effect of that is you can be just as busy with dramatically fewer phone calls. And the front desk at a lot of veterinary practices can be pretty chaotic. Yeah, it's a war zone. <laughs> it is. And how can I transition some of those phone calls to texts, for example? We've got this really cool texting platform that now um, in the world of touchless um, transactions, we're actually a godsend. Right. to pay. So we have this thing called text to pay where I can send a link to a client and they can pay. Yeah. Just again, take friction out of that process. And as it gets colder and people don't want to be doing a lot of trips out to the car for curbside care, we think that that's one simple way to make the experience better for the pet owner, to make it quicker for the pet, uh, and also for that veterinary team because they're under a lot of pressure, a lot of stress right now. As you mentioned, it was one of the the un, who would have predicted that with a global pandemic like this, that veterinarians would be busier than ever. Um, but with the adoptions, as you say, and people home now thinking, well, boy, I guess uh, that limp is a lot worse than I thought it was. So I should go and have this checked out. Right. Much more observant. Really busy, a lot of strain on team members. And to the extent that we can use technology, right? I mean, if I'm the CSR at a veterinary practice, the client service representative, I can only talk to one person at a time on a phone, but I can be running multiple text threads with clients as we all often do all day long, right? How many of us are texting with multiple people at a time? So how do we just bring that kind of thinking to vet practices? That's really what we're trying to do at Vitus Vet is, is bring that um, in using technology as a tool to make life simpler. So I absolutely agree because the people who are really um, uh, participating in this early on, early adopters, are my son, who's like 30. People like me, though, who are in their 60s sometimes are a little afraid of this and really like to talk to the front desk woman, which, of course, is that counterintuitive thing that, oh, I'm on the phone for 10 minutes just shooting the breeze um, to make an appointment. So that's 10 minutes out of your day. And you know, you don't want to be rushed off the phone because then Mrs. Smith got angry because I got rushed off the phone. Um, so your product, does it have any capabilities of doing that human-human bond kind of thing where it's it's simple, it's quick, but it, it also can be programmable to say, and thank you so much, and, and we hope this made your day, and, and how did you find this? Let us know, or anything like that, so that people my age feel engaged. And I think that's the thing that probably... Um, is the balance to find in, in a product like Vitasvet. You're exactly right. It's all about balance. And it's not, an, it's not an all or nothing sort of thing. I'm the last person to suggest that you can uh, replace the telephone with texting. But the idea is to, to automate the things that should be automated so that you, your team can focus on the, those conversations that can be only had face-to-face -face or in person. Or the, the other thing that's great about texting is it opens the door, right? Like if I, when I was in emergency practice, our phones used to ring off the hook every night from about seven o'clock when most practices would close to midnight. Yeah. 
And the question was basically, is this bad enough to come in tonight? So if a text can um, just open the door to allow a client to ask you, he's doing, my pet's doing A, B, and C. Is this something I should come in? Then maybe you do want to pick up the phone and talk to them, but at least you've made it easy for them to throw that first conversation uh, overboard to start the conversation. Because if the, if the bar is, well, you've got a call and I'm thinking, well, I'm probably going to get put on hold and I'm at work and God, I just don't have time for this. And then, you know, the day is gone. So yeah, your phone rings and you forget. And I thought, you know, it's sort of like either sending the email and not knowing if you got an, um, uh, an email back because you got busy with your day and then, Oh my God, it's past five. Nobody's going to answer the phone. Um, so this is an immediate response to let you know, this comes under the, the um, auspices sort of, I think of assisting in telemedicine because the veterinarian you might call in the emergency clinic to ask or who's online on emergency lines, say not necessarily in a clinic would also have the ability to know, Oh wait, your dog is limping in the left rear and that's where, and I'm making this up, I'm not a doctor, nor do I play one on TV, but sometimes when a dog gets a vaccination, if they get it in their left rear butt cheek or something, you know, their leg might be a little sore. They might, you know, we all get vaccinations and we get sore. Mm -hmm. uh, they walk on their legs. We usually get them in our arms. We don't um, walk on our arms. So it isn't as prevalent you know, that your arm hurts when you lift it up or put your shirt on, it hurts. So wouldn't that be something that would provide information, like you said, to someone who I'm calling because my vet's closed um, to be able to know that, oh, wait, it says here that blah, blah, blah. And maybe we are better informed and so can say, maybe you don't have to come in today. Maybe you can come in tomorrow. Tell me a little bit more. Yeah, it's really a challenge for the teams at emergency practices because they can't really say too much because of the veterinary client patient relationship. They can ask a couple of questions, but really it's, we'd love to, to, to give you any meaningful information. We'd kind of need to examine your pet and they may not know, they might know to ask, did you have any vaccines today? They might not. Um, sometimes there's just no substitute for a good old fashioned physical exam. But if I can connect my clients with my own team, the veterinarians on my team who can access those records a little bit more easily and answer those questions, then for sure. Or, um, you know, your pet just went home from being spayed today and they might be a little bit lethargic. Well, that might be normal. Yeah. So how can I, how can I not just have the pet owner on their own? That's when they get frustrated. That's when they look to Dr. Google and start searching for things and they can get frustrated and they don't know really what to look for or what the right questions to ask. So I just wanna make it simpler for them to connect with people who do have the training and education and access to data to give them a meaningful answer. You know, it's interesting you said that because when I interviewed Stacy, Dr. Stacy Santee, whose yeah. um, interview will be coming up soon, uh, she said she always likes to make sure that the um, client goes home with uh, an email or a text with what happened today on their phone. And, and that would be something that also would um, give the client some comfort in knowing, okay, so this is what we did here today. Um, and, you know, she said, it's really interesting. I, I teach people how to write things up because the change in the language is not so great 
that if it's a dermatitis or it's something else, you can use the basic language to explain dermatitis and then only have to put in the specific language for your dog. Mm -hmm. And that really works um, well. But with Vicevet, you get, and correct me if I'm wrong, you can get access to your information or is it just veterinarians that can get access to your information? No, pet owners can too through the app. Yeah, where they can get access to... Um, depending on what uh, their veterinarian is comfortable sharing with them. But typically it's medical notes, obviously vaccine dates, prescriptions, um, the kind of stuff that, heaven forbid, you find yourself in an emergency. Um, you'd want to be able to access that information. So um, that's really compelling for them. And, and the, the key with mobile and is that you have to give pet owners a reason to download and use the app. Um, and there's a lot of still some thinking among veterinarians that they think of this very much like, how can I use this app to um, benefit the practice? And I'm a big believer that you have to give value first. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of apps out there and most of them are downloaded, looked at and deleted. But ours, you can look at our, our app store reviews. It's really, really a compelling app because we have given that pet owner something of value. And I think that's a big message for veterinarians is there's nothing that boosts trust and loyalty, like a little bit of transparency. Yeah. You know, yeah. I want our message to you is here, take this. It's you paid for it. It's your medical record. We want you to have access to this. We trust you. We love you as a client. And we want you to have this information if, because especially with the holidays coming or on weekends, if you're traveling, we want you to have it. And I've seen pet owners, they look at the app and they see this and they're like almost stunned and grateful. Like, wow, thank you. I mean, this yeah. is fantastic. It, you're, you're, you're barking up the right tree with me because I do this program called the Map Plan, Navigating the Journey Your Pet Takes When You Can't Care For It. And if your pet gets sick while you're traveling on the weekend or while you're away, you have the ability to give all this information on your phone to maybe the emergency room vet that you had to go see because the dog got into something or whatever. It just seemed to me that um, it's, it's an important uh, process, but it has one link. And I want to ask you whether or not vets have, because um, I, I know sometimes we hold things really, we, we live in scarcity instead of, um, abundance and yeah. so sometimes veterinarians are like well i don't want to give all that information away i i want to hold that close to the vest because i want my client to stay with my client have you found that pushback or no I'm so glad you said that absolutely and it is because it, i might want it but if my vet doesn't have it it doesn't work well here's the thing the, the lesson from of the internet is and what i would tell to any veterinarian who says that that if they think that their medical record is ownership of a client, they should think again because your client can switch anytime they want. There is no switching. The ownership on. really is in the relationship, not in the records. And what better way to build that relationship than cement it by that transparency? So I, I would say to them, you've actually, doctor, you got it backwards. Nowadays, you have to give that away. And they then they really will stick with you and they'll tell your friends. Because if you live in scarcity and hold on to that and you think the record is your is your hook into that client, it's not. Um, so, and there's some practices that get that. Many, unfortunately, don't. They're worried that if they give up access, that that's the only thing that's keeping that client from switching vets. And that's not the case. 
And, you know, veterinarians are really differently. I think if we talked about Brene Brown, I'm sure she would agree with that. For sure. Oh, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it's about getting it right, not being right. So, so if you, if you want to keep your client, what is that saying that, you know, if you love something, let it go and it'll yeah. come back to you. I know that's really fluffy. However, it really is true with veterinary medicine because most of the time when my clients come to my office, um, the lack of transparency and the inability to get records, it's, is what fosters the conflict. If they had this kind of transparency right there in front of them, they could go back, they could read at their leisure, they could do whatever they needed to do, they could ask questions. You know, we've got a really intelligent pet owning public out there. And um, there's, as you said, Dr. Google's out there. So everybody has every malady known to man, um, Mm -hmm. or some people don't check Dr. Google at all. But we really do want to be in partnership with our veterinary and partnership with our veterinarian in a way that includes transparency and and. If I have one client who's angry with their vet, say it, I have a million, two things they say. One is they were never transparent. I didn't know what was going on. And you're speaking a language they don't understand, quite frankly. And the second was, I just don't want this to happen to anybody else again. So when you said, you know, veterinarians really need to understand that clients need this, they want this and they need this in order to stay with you. That is so impactful to me in my practice because that's what's driving people away. Yeah, I, I think it really is. And, and um, especially a lot is made of millennials and whatnot. And to not, you know, I own two of them, the right term, but you know, new style clients, because it's not even just millennials, it's really everybody transparency, yeah. you know, is a thing. Um, it's different than human medicine, but even in human medicine, you can access your own records right now. And people know there's no HIPAA in veterinary medicine. They paid a lot of money for this stuff. Why can't they access it? They can FaceTime a friend in Australia in real time. And you're telling me I can't see my cat's x-rays on my phone. Yeah. No, I know it's possible. Why aren't you showing it to me? That's how they think. And, and, they'll, and wait, they'll look around for someone who does show it to them. Oh yeah. And so you'll lose the client because they can get more access to the information they want. As you said at the beginning, you know, dogs and cats and birds and horses have all become so much more important to us before COVID, but then absolutely after COVID because animals just have shifted. And I know we're sort of, maybe I'm much older maybe, but not too much older. Pets, the, the um, definition of a pet has changed in your lifetime as a veterinarian. At the beginning, I don't know that people would have spent $10,000 on chemotherapy for their pets in the 60s and 70s. A, it wasn't around. Um, and B, just get a new one. I mean, my father used to say that all the time when I was spending money on my dogs. He'd go, you know, a new, a new one is much cheaper. I said, Dad, it's not a car. But it is a car when it comes to if something goes wrong because they're still property. Um, but they're not cars anymore in anybody's estimation. What do you what do you see? Because I think that when you began, pets were at a and maybe I'm wrong, and please feel free, Mark, to correct me. Pets were, were a different animal, no pun intended, than they are now. For sure they are. And they've gone from, I heard, I read somewhere someone said they went from the barnyard to the backyard, to the mudroom, to the kitchen, to the bedroom, to the bed yeah. in 20 years. Yeah, in, oh. in what, like 20 or 30, maybe 40 years now, because I'm 60. So probably I would say in my lifetime from the 50s, until now, they have done that transition, and that's only 50 years, and they have made it really far. Yeah, and there's still exceptions. I mean, a lot of it depends where you are, 
Uh, if you're out more and uh, people that are, um, there are farm dogs yeah. and barn cats for sure. And then there's the whole other end of the spectrum too. And to my point earlier about figuring out where that client is. Um, is key. Right. I mean, it's no guilt, no guilt. That's my big thing too. Please. No guilt. Don't tell me I have to do this. Right. Um, exactly. And yeah. I think we, that's a challenge that we have sometimes in as veterinarians is we have to watch the tendency to be judgmental that that client is not doing something that you think they should be doing. And, um, you know, our job is to give advice to take care of pets, but no pet comes in without a human being attached for the most part. Yeah. I always, I always talk when they, they speak about fear-free, I go, we need to also include the client and the fear-free because how you walk in is how the pet arrives as a, as a pet owner. Um, and you're fearful sometimes. Some people are more fearful of the veterinarian because you're taking care of my um, baby who can't speak. Right. Uh, then your pediatrician, because your kid usually, unless it's a little baby, can speak and tell them where it hurts. So this is really um, uh, transformational in how people are addressing the needs of their pets um, and speaking about their pets. And yet, you know, there's that that delicate balance between what going back to what we started talking about and you know i have to have you back to talk about judgments because i know that a lot of my clients do feel judged and and as a veterinarian you know that that's sort of the the gray area i i want to let you know what you can do i want you to know whatever you choose um will be the best for your pet uh and and because a lot of judgment comes with decisions that people make around their pets both good and bad for sure. For sure it does. And I think there's a way you can have it both ways where you can be a very strong advocate for your patient, but do it with a tone of love and understanding for that client so that whatever decision they make is the right decision. I mean, barring they're not doing anything inhumane or whatnot, but right. um, that there's only so much we can do. Yeah. And I feel like maybe that's something that I've matured as now I just last year was my 25th vet school graduation, uh, which we sadly didn't get to have because of COVID, but um, I feel like I've matured as a, a practitioner in that regard where I'm just laying this out as for you. And I've also become probably a little bit more comfortable giving people candid advice. A lot of times people say, what would you do if it was your pet? And for years I was hesitant to answer that because it's not my pet and it's yours and so forth. But um, I've also seen some people where they may have had analysis paralysis and they don't really know what to do. So I've been a little bit more willing to um, give them candid advice about what I might do or how I might think about it. And I think, cause you can answer that question without telling them what to do. But you know, one of the rhetorical questions I'll ask people, especially when it comes around the discussion of euthanasia is, are you prolonging life or are you prolonging death? And when the answer to that question changes, that's the time to make the different decision. I can't answer that for you. You have to answer that for yourself and everybody has a different criteria. But I found that that can be a rhetorical question to help people through that very difficult decision. You know, it's so interesting. You said that we're coming to the end of the half hour, which of course I'm definitely gonna have to be back because I love talking about that pragmatic way of handling 
you know, pet records, but also that conversation with pets, you know, I'm all about the conversation. So you'll definitely have to come back because we, we both have gotten older. Um, we both have gotten more comfortable in our own skin to be able to have those conversations in a more compassionate way. Sometimes we're afraid. Um, and now I guess age has, has wisened us, we hope. Uh, but Mark, thank you so much. The, the three things I'm taking away, of course, is that pets are so important, that human-animal bond. Being able to get your records from Vitus Vets so that you can have them with you is a transparency that vets should really want to pursue. And maybe if clients ask for it, vets will understand that they should get it um, because this is something that is absolutely true. And then that final question which is, you know, what is it that we're um, doing here and is it in benefit of the pet? So that's the biggest question that we always ask our veterinarians and the transparency with which they answer that is key. I mean, I love what you said. And I always say when my pets are ill, am I keeping them alive for me or am I keeping them alive for them? And if I'm keeping them alive for me, I go, I love you enough not to have, because I know that there are things that I, you know, have experienced as you probably have with pets that you've had in your life that were just awful and you just didn't want to make that decision. However, my mantra is, it's not about me. Um, it really isn't about me. It's about them. And, and I have to keep that in mind. Um, Mark Alcott, thank you so much. We can find Vitus Vet at VitusVet.com, V-I-T-U-S.com, Vitus Vet, right? V-I-T-U-S-V-E-T dot com. Yep, that's us. Thank you very much. Perfect. The Why Do Pets Matter podcast drops every Thursday and can be found on whichever platform you find your podcast. Subscribe now, invite your friends, and I cannot wait to have you join me in these conversations.